0: Good morning, welcome to Christ Community Church. We are so glad you have joined us today. Come on in, bring your family, bring your family and your kids. Come to church with us. We are excited you guys have joined us this morning. We encourage you guys to worship along with us. I got the table on my throne. Got blood on my hands The ones that I love are in danger I'm a fallen man But I found me a river And he washes me clean I know that I'm drowning but trying But I'll never leave I know that I'm found can't keep from hiding i don't have a choice but it gets stuck it but i am a man in need of a constant revival so jesus come quickly i need you for my survival Got a lock on my soul, and I'll never let you in. Got the hounds of hell chasing, my time is running thin. But I found me a rhythm, and it breaks down my case. Sometimes it's hard to just listen, but I'm making my case. Know so that I'm found, can't keep from hiding. I don't have a choice, I get stuck deciding. But I am a man in need of constant revival. So Jesus, come quickly, I need You for my survival. Flowers need sunlight, oceans seen high tide like men need a long life to know that they ain't right. Like lions need their pride, it's a matter of your time, I need you if I want to survive. Know that I'm a but I can't keep from hiding, I don't have a choice. Come quickly, I need you for my survival.
1: Good morning, C3. Our call to worship today is found in the 32nd number of Psalms. How joyful is the one whose transgression is forgiven, Whose sin is covered? How joyful is a person whom the Lord does not charge with iniquity and in whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones became brittle from my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me, my strength was drained as in the summer's heat. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not conceal my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let everyone who is faithful pray to you immediately. When great floodwaters come, they will not reach him. You are my hiding place. You protect me from trouble you surround me with joyful shouts of deliverance. I will instruct you and show you the way to go. With my eye on you, I will give counsel. Do not be like a horse or mule without understanding that must be controlled with bit and bridle or else it will not come near you. Many pains come to the wicked But the one who trusts in the Lord will have faithful love surrounding him. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous ones. Shout for joy, all you upright in heart. Let us pray. Lord, bless our time today as we gather to worship you. Bless those who are gathered in the building as well as those who are streamed in. Open our hearts to receive the message that you have for us today. Lord, we acknowledge our faults and ask that you forgive us completely. We choose to trust in your ability to keep us blameless as we embrace your righteousness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: You give life, you are love, you bring light to the darkness, you give hope, you restore every heart that is broken. And great are you, Lord, it's your breath. In our lungs So we pour out our praise Pour out our praises. your breath In our lungs So we pour out our praise To you holy You give life You are love You bring light to the darkness, you give hope, you restore every heart that is broken. And great are you, Lord. It's your breath in our lungs, so we. in our lungs so we pour out our praise to you holy is your breath in our lungs so we pour Hearts will cry, these bones will sing.
2: Morning. Welcome to Christ Community Church and our Sunday morning Bible study and worship time. Yep. Good morning. And thanks so to the guys for good music as thank always. Thank you, gentlemen. Lord bless you for your wonderful uh, worship. It's always great. Welcome to our service. We're glad that you could join us this morning. I tell you what, I'm gonna pray real quick great. before we begin. All Lord right. Jesus, thank you that we can gather and worship you and study your word. And we are here because we believe that you have words and ministry of life to share with us. And we ask you to share those with us. We want to be open to those, and we pray that you would impact us with great good. And we thank you for doing it in Jesus' name. Amen.
3: So I'm going to open with a Lenten reading from this book we like so much, Bread and Wine. And uh, I'm just going to read the end of of an essay in which a woman found the gospel message of Christ's death on the cross a difficult one. She didn't like the violence of it. She didn't like the thought of it. She didn't like God's, the plan of it, the necessity of that plan. She mm. was uh, wow. doubting the necessity of that plan. Okay. And so the essay finishes with an answer. Mm. How do we measure the size of a fire by the number of firefighters and fire engines sent to fight against it? Mm. How do we measure the seriousness of a medical condition by the amount of risk the doctors take in prescribing dangerous antibiotics or surgical procedures? Mm. How do we measure the gravity of sin and the incomparable vastness of God's love for us by looking at the magnitude of what God has done in Jesus, who became like a common criminal for our sake and in our place?" When you really come to know the unconditional love and forgiveness of Jesus, then you will also come to know the depth of your own participation in sin. And so it's a heavy opening, but Lent is a time for us to be looking inward and considering this very thing. She, this woman in this story, didn't feel like her sin was very great. And so the necessity of Christ's death on the cross seemed to her exaggerated. And so this response is perhaps she didn't understand the depth of her sin. Mm-hmm. Therefore, the necessity of what had to come, the sacrifice Christ had to make.
2: Um, the cross, um, the only thing, you know, it, it, there's no greater declaration or, or manifestation of the love of God. Second only to the cross communicating the seriousness of our sin problem. Yeah, yeah. Um, There must have been another answer, another way.
3: Surely there's another way. Yeah. Surely
2: there's another way, uh, but there wasn't. Yeah. And uh, so it communicates, first and foremost, the love of God, but second of all, uh, the seriousness the of, depth our, of the depth our... of our sin, and yeah. the need that we have for a Savior. Yeah. Thank you. Well, you're welcome. Thank you. You're welcome. May the Lord give us... Paul's to ponder To consider. Thank you. Okay. um, The last couple of weeks, we have been studying uh, or doing some studies uh, that are based upon the book of Numbers. Yeah. um, Just because that's where I've been in my devotional life and journey through the Bible. And um, we're going to In that today. I'm I'm getting (laughs) into another book now. Okay. And so we'll start seeing some of that probably. Uh, So uh, I wanted to to just do one more study from the book of Numbers. And I hope that you'll join me in this study today. Um, You'll remember uh, that the book of Numbers covers the 38 years in the life of Israel from their journey from Mount Sinai to the Promised Land. And uh God was traveling yeah. with them, you know uh he uh, in the book before Leviticus, uh, God tells them how to set up the camp, and the the uh, the tabernacle is in the center of the camp, and God's glory lives or dwells in that tabernacle in the holy of holies and all of that and uh so anyway, um I was just thinking um, about an idea uh that is reflected in the book of Numbers and that's how wonderful it is to know the commitment of God to guide us to direct us he doesn't leave us to wander through life he he is committed to guiding us just like he guided the people of Israel yes they wandered for 38 years but it was orchestrated wandering. It was led wandering. Uh, it's not that they woke up in the more, every morning and just sort of went and... No, no. God led them every day for 38 years. Uh, uh, he guided them. He instructed them. He directed them. And God is at least that committed in your life and in my life to guiding us and directing us through life. And what sort of spurred this or or created this interest in my life uh, was I was reading in the Psalms. And in Psalm 32, uh, David says this, Lord, you are my hiding place. You protect me from trouble and you surround me with songs of deliverance. You promise to instruct and teach me in the way I should go and you promise to counsel me with your loving eyes. Don't be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding, but must be controlled by bit and bridle, or they will not come to you. Many are the woes of the wicked. And the context there, Shirley, is many are the woes of people who won't follow the guidance and the direction and the leading of the Lord. Yeah. Many are the woes of those who act like a mule, who won't uh, uh who won't follow, doesn't want to follow the Lord and his ways. Uh many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds those who trust him. And I read that, that again, I was Thinking about numbers and Israel wandering and God leading them, and then I read this it says, "You promise to instruct and teach me in the way I should go, and you give me counsel with your loving eyes and it just struck me in a very fresh way what a blessing it is to be reminded of God's commitment to guide us through life, to direct us through life he he, he what a blessing to know that God is committed to doing that, that he offers that to us. And what a tragedy it is for us to ignore that or reject that guidance, reject that leading, reject that that, uh, 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 direction that God offers us and how sad it must make God to offer to lead us, to guide us, to direct us, and for us to say, no, thank you. Yeah. I mean, how sad uh, that must make God. Um, The book of Numbers, as we've looked the last couple of weeks, uh, reveals to us a lot of things about God. It reveals to us uh, how delighted God is to live with us. I find it significant that God didn't tell Moses to build God a mansion on the outskirts of the camp, or up on a mountain, or even... Uh, up at, from up in the sky, God didn't direct and guide Israel from up or away. He wanted to be right in the middle of the camp, right among them. He delights in being with us. Um, numbers reminds us that God will never abandon us. No matter how hard-headed we are, no matter how many times we rebel or reject or Fail or show our rear ends. God says, "I am not good." God stayed with them every day of the thirty-eight year journey. Numbers reminds us that he's going that God's going to get us home safely. I said last week that Joshua follows Numbers and Deuteronomy. Yeah, I mean they get to the promise. God said, "I'm going to get you the promised land." They got to the promised land. God's going to get us home by hook or by crook. Win, lose or draw, God's going to get us home. Uh, and. I think God, I think Numbers reveals to us, reminds us that God is also fighting for us. Even when we don't know that he's fighting for us, even when we don't know that we need someone to fight for us, I think of Balaam. We're not going to talk about that, but that story of Balaam, that false prophet who uh, was hired to speak all these curses Hmm. upon the people of God. Keep in mind, Israel's down in the camp, uh, down in the valley below Uh, they're whining and complaining and fighting and and doing wrong. And the whole time, where's God? God is up in the mountains fighting against this false prophet and this false prophet's uh, curses upon God's people. He's fighting for God's people. He's defending them. Uh, He's protecting them. And they, didn't even, they never even knew until later on when Moses wrote this. They didn't even know that that, that, that had taken place. That, that had happened. And just the reminder that God is fighting for us and defending us and protecting us always, even when we're not aware that we have that need. And I find that great. Um, numbers also reminds us of God's commitment, as I said earlier, to guide us, to direct us, to instruct us us in the best ways to go through life. Um, Let me give you a few verses other than numbers. In Psalm 23, one of the probably the most famous psalm, the psalmist says, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing, he makes me to lie down in green pastures, he leads me to green pastures, he leads me to quiet, refreshing waters, and he guides me along the right paths for my life. Uh, Proverbs 3, we talked about this last week, trust in the Lord and not on your own wisdom. Submit to the Lord and he will direct your way. He directs us. He guides us. He leads us. Uh, Isaiah 48 says, I am the Lord your God and I will teach you what is best and I will direct you in the best ways to go. I love that. And then in Isaiah 30, the prophet says, "When or when or this is God speaking, he says, When you must turn either to the right or the left, you will hear the voice of God saying, this is the way, walk in it. From Egypt to Mount Sinai and from Mount Sinai to the Promised Land, over a 40-year period, every day God directed, He led, He instructed, He guided His people. Uh, God is not the kind of person to just step back and watch his children flounder, uh, wander around aimlessly, hopelessly, uh, with, with not really knowing where to go or what to do. God's not gonna, God, God doesn't want us to live our lives by trial and error. He wants us to get up and know that we have direction and purpose and that, that we're not just spinning in circles, wasting our lives. And God is committed to helping us have a life that has direction, that has guidance, um, that where, we are, where we can follow Him if we will accept that offer. Um, sadly, the book of Numbers also reminds us that God's people struggle with this. Yeah. Um, we get it from our grandparents, Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve struggled accepting God's guidance, God's direction, God's instruction. They, they struggled believing that God knew better than they knew. And guess what? The Israelites, they didn't do any better. They struggled daily. Uh, can God really know better the right ways uh, for me to go? Uh, and you and I, and probably everybody listening to us today, we all struggle with the same thing. It's hard to trust uh, and accept that God knows the best ways through life. Um, that passage that I read to you from uh, Psalm 32, you know, it mentions there, uh, Right, I find it very significant, it says, You promised to instruct and teach me in the way I should go, and, you, and, and to counsel me with your loving eyes. And then it's, it's like there's this abrupt stop, and he says, Don't be like the horse or the mule, which has no understanding, but must be controlled by the bit or the, and the bridle, or they will not come to you. And I, I, you know, in my mind, I just can see David, as he wrote that, having this image of God being like a kind, wise farmer. And he loves his animals. He, he cares for his creatures that belong to him. And every day, he, he wants his animals, uh, to the, the sheep and the cattle and the mules and the horses, he wants them all to go out into the fields and enjoy the day, enjoy the sun and the air and the grass and, the, and everything. Uh, and then in the evenings, he wants to call them and say, hey, come, come into Barn. I've got, I've got provision. I've got protection. I've got a warm barn for you. Or, or when there's a storm coming. Or he knows there are wolves uh that are out there, or whatever it would be, lightning and hail, whatever it would be. And he says, Come into the barn where you'll find protection and shelter and provision and warmth. Um, and here's the thing: when I was a kid, I spent a lot of time out in the country at my granddaddy's house, and uh You know, most farm animals instinctively know that the farmer knows best. A farmer can go out into a field and call those cows and literally those cows will get in a line and come to the barn. The same with the sheep. The same with a a farm dog instinctively knows that the farmer knows best. Chickens. Chickens, yeah. the, The farmer will call those chickens, will just immediately come. They trust that the farmer knows best, and will guide them and direct them. And in that guidance and in that direction and in that
3: leading, there's provision, there's protection, there's shelter, there's enjoyment. They, per- they trust Him for their own sustenance, like food, to take care of them. Yes.
2: But the mule... I, and I've seen mules, you know, that, that picture that everybody has of the mule pushing. pushing, you know, and the farmer's pulling the, on the range, trying to get the mule. I've, I've literally seen that. That mule doesn't believe what those other animals believe, and the mule won't learn from the example of the other animals. I know better. I'm going to trust my own judgment. I know the best way. I know when I should come in and when I ought to go out and the way to get there and, uh, and back. Um, you, you see the image there. And so I want to just talk about that today for just a second. Uh, this this blessing, uh, this reminder that God is committed to guiding us through life. He doesn't just leave us to our own devices. He doesn't just leave us to go through life by trial and error. God wants to guide us and lead us every day. And you know, uh truthfully, the, the the main ways that God guides us and leads us and instructs us is through God's Word, God's Spirit, and God's people. Those are his defaults for leading us and guiding us. And those that spend time getting to know and relying upon his word, his spirit, and his people, they they benefit the most from God's guidance yeah. and God's leadership. But I want, and, and most everybody listening to us today would understand that and, and know that. Uh, I guess the question is, do we utilize those things uh, uh, effectively so that we benefit from those things, from His Word's guidance, and from His Spirit's leading, and from His people's direction? Uh, do, we, do we utilize and benefit from those? But the, there's another way that God, and God guides us in many ways. I don't want to deny that or act like that's not true, but one of the other major ways that I believe that God guides us and directs us and instructs us is through the example. Of the people around us. Um, God wants us, the way God set it up, He wants His people to learn how to follow God and why we should follow God and be motivated to follow God by observing the lives of others. And you see that both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Uh, um, you you see um, uh, uh, God told the people of Israel that they, in fact, you see it numerous times, God tells the people of Israel, don't you remember the Egyptians? Don't you remember how life went for them when they told me no, when they rejected me, when they said we're not going to do it your way? Don't you remember how their lives, their families, their communities, their nation went? When they rejected me, when they right. said we will not uh, have you, uh, we won't follow you, we will not follow your guidance, and then and then it says several times uh, the same exact thing. God told Israel, um, observe the the people of uh, in the in the countries that were out in the wilderness during those thirty eight years. It was actually the Ammonites, the Moabites, and the Edomites. Those were three nations that lived right there, and God said repeatedly. Observe their lives, observe their families, observe their communities, observe their nations. Yeah. Is that what you want? Is, 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 is that the goal? Is that what you hope you wind up uh, emulating? Learn from these people, from these co- families, from these communities, from these nations that have said no thank you to me. Yeah. Learn from them. Uh, if, you know, the book of Proverbs, <laughs> if the book of Proverbs says anything, it says, observe the lives of the people around you when they choose to reject me. Observe the life of the of the uh, arrogant or prideful man. Observe the life of the lazy man. Observe the life of the naive man. Observe the life of the fool. Uh, in all of those situations, the, God is saying, watch these people's lives. These are people that are saying, I'm not following your guidance. I'm not going to do it your way. I'm not going to let you lead me. And look how their life ends up. Um, Just like the mule who tells the farmer, I'm not going to follow you. I'm not going to do it your way. I'm not going to let you lead me. And he misses out on the blessings, the freedom. The other animals aren't. They don't have a bit and no. a, in a, in a no. harness in their mouth. The, That's they, a good point. You know, the mule has to be drugged through life. And so often, even God's people, we allow sin and dysfunction and, and unhealthiness and fear and all these things to literally enslave and bind us and drag us through life. Um, when we didn't have to, we could have experienced such a free and joyful life if we had let God
3: follow us, yeah, well that, or lead us. Yeah, well, to that—not to take the barnyard metaphor too too far, right. but you know, the cow and the chicken and all the are, the dog—they the just dog. come. They come yes. with, ta- with tails wagging and happy clucking, and again, not too far, but they come, and the mule is has to be dragged and pulled and a bit in his mouth. That's such a great image. And
2: how tragic. It's such a tragic image. And how sad, again, I say, that it must make God... um, Don't you want to come too? No, I don't. um, No, thank you. I I know know better. better. I know better. And how often God's people, rather than observing the lives of those who say, no, thank you, I'm going to do it my way, um, and learning... They just they emulate those very people that they should be learning from and going in the opposite direction. Now, let me just say this real quickly. Uh, it came to my mind. When I say observing other people who are not doing it right, I'm not talking about judging them. Judgment always has with it this idea of superiority yes. and condemnation. Yes. I think I'm better than you, and I'm condemning you. I'm not talking about feeling superior. In fact, it's a it's an act of desperation to say, I admit I don't know how to go. I don't know the right way. I will mess this up. I need somebody to lead me. But it's only wise, according to Scripture, to observe people, their lives, their families, their marriages, their their businesses, their their communities, their nations. Um, is that what you want? Because if you reject my guidance and my leadership and my direction, that's where you end up, right? And so, um, anyway, I just, that's the thing that jumped out at me as I studied uh, the book of, or one of the things that jumped out at me as I studied the book of Numbers this this time um, and that Psalm from Psalm 20, uh, 32. Let me just, I want to I give you quickly, Shirley, uh, four takeaways that really jumped out at me related to Numbers and Psalm 32, uh, and this idea that God is committed to guiding us and directing us and leading us in our marriages, in our parenting, in our personal lives, in, our, in, in, in every area of our life. God will help us and direct us if we'll let Him. So I, I had these four take, uh, takeaways that I just wanted to give, give you quickly. Number one, God gave us His Word, His Spirit, and his people, as his primary tools to lead us and guide us. Am I utilizing them? Do I use them to help me, like I would a compass going through the forest or through the jungle? Do I look to them daily, at least, to uh, to help me navigate? The, the journey of my life in the most effective ways. And do I utilize this fourth tool that God gives us? And that's just the observation of the people around me. And I would say learning from the um, observing and learning from those that are doing it right. Sure. As well as those that are that are not. I just played off that idea that he goes, God, thank you for guiding me. Don't be like the mule. Mm-hmm. Don't be like the people that won't Uh, follow me. Um, Second thing that I took away from this study and that is do I pay attention to the multitude of warnings that God in His sovereign love places before my eyes every day to help me see how hopeless, how destructive, how joyless um, journeys become when people do not follow the direction and the guidance and the leading of the Lord. Um, Do do I see the dangers of, of lives where there's spiritual neglect, where there's dishonesty, where there's greed and anger and unforgiveness and relational uh, neglect and relational unfaithfulness. Do I see the end result of lives where there's an overemphasis and commitment on uh, technology, uh, the, the the foolish handling of money, and the power of how we speak to one another? Do I do I connect the dots? Do I go? You know, wow, people that handle those those gifts, those responsibilities poorly. This is what happens in their lives. Do I want to end up like that? Do I want lives like that? Do I want uh, to impact others like that? Um, I don't want to offend anybody with this 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 third takeaway, but uh, I think it's important. Um, God does put key people in our lives, almost like you know they moves from small signs to billboards. And he does that periodically in our lives because he wa- he's trying to show us, he's trying to get our attention and show us through the lives of others, look, look what happens, do you see this? And uh, you know, everybody listening to us today, I think I could, I, almost everybody, I could put into one of two groups. Uh, people that think Donald Trump is the devil and a villain and people that think he is a martyr and a victim. I mean, everybody falls into one of those two camps. And I'm not wise enough to know the truth about all that. But I do have a question that I'm asking myself, and the question is simply this. wonder what God wants to teach us about our own lives from the last four years wonder what God wants to teach us about our personal lives, our marriages, our families, the power that we're given, the influence that we're given over others, over our use of our finances, how we treat and deal with our enemies, and the power of how we communicate to other people. I'm not I'm not throwing stones, I'm not waving I love you flags. I'm not, I'm not getting into all that, but I am saying that there are... And, and, and you could use an infinite number of other examples. The Kardashians are... I don't even know many famous people. But anyway, uh, the names of these people. But when when God puts these people in front of us continually for four years, is there not a message or there are not lessons that God's trying to reveal to us through these people's lives about things to avoid or things to emulate. Um, And then finally, the last one that I wanna mention is just, um, I don't wanna be like that mule. I don't wanna be like that mule that said, I know better. Yes, there are principles that a farm operates on and the other animals, they probably should follow those principles, but I'm above mm-hmm. the rules. Yeah, uh, I'm above, I'm the exception to the rule. Rules don't apply to me. I'm going to do it my way, and I'm above the, um, uh, I, I can do it my way, but I will
3: avoid the consequences
2: of doing so it my I way. So I am
3: teaching at this moment a novel at school, Crime and Punishment, and that is exactly the, mm. the protagonist, that's exactly his problem he has committed a terrible, two terrible crimes, crime and punishment. And so what he wants is to try to prove throughout the course of the book that you can do what you want. You can commit a crime and there is no consequence, that you can outrun the consequence. Um, And so it, it falls apart, of course. And at one point, a woman asks him, what were you thinking? And he finally, there's a moment where he's slightly humble, just a moment, where he says, I'll tell you what I was thinking, two things. One, I thought that I could—he kills—he's he, a murderer. And he says, I thought that I could kill—I could do what I wanted without consequence. Mm-hmm. And she said, why would you think that? And he said, because I thought I was one of the extraordinary ones, that mm-hmm. I'm one of the ones who can do that, that there are mm-hmm. people, he thinks, mm-hmm. that can do what they want, when they want, with no consequence, mm-hmm. and that is what I want. And it's interesting because I think that, is, that sums up human nature pretty well. Yes, yes. I mean, isn't that kind of what Adam and Eve had, exactly. go, had going exactly. on? You and know? Cain and on and on yeah. and on, you know. Because yes. I think I'm one of the, the special ones. You know,
2: uh, Paul says in Galatians 6, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. Um, my uh, mule thought, you know, God's the one that's deceived. Uh, the farmer's the one that's deceived. Uh, not me. He can't tell me um, what to do. He can't tell me. And, and I'll mock him. He'll never mock me. I can live a life not following God's guidance, not God, following God's direction. And, and I will avoid the, uh, the, the, the harvest that I've sown. I can avoid that. I'm superior. I'm, yeah. above, I'm above the yeah. law. I'm above living, uh, experiencing the consequences of my choices and actions. I don't want to be like that. Mm-hmm. And tr- sadly, I'm more like that than I uh, wished I was. Uh, but I declare again God's commitment to guide us, to direct us, to lead us if we will just be willing. Not drug, but guide it, Because that's what God loves to do. Thank you for being with us today. We're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper. In closing, this bread, which represents our beloved Savior's body, and this wine or juice that represents His blood, we eat and drink um, just to declare our faith in His love, uh, in His guidance in our lives. We want that. And we want it even more in the future than we've experienced in the past. We and uh, we rejoice and thank the Lord for His guidance and direction and instruction in our lives. Thank you again so very much for being with us uh, this morning. Um, we pray the Lord spoken to you and challenged you.
3: God bless you. God bless you.
0: When you speak, confusion fades Just a word And suddenly I'm not afraid Cause you speak, freedom reigns There is hope And every single word you say I don't wanna miss one word you speak Cause everything you say is life to me I don't want to miss one word you speak So quiet my heart, I'm listening When sorrows roll And troubles rage You whisper peace When I don't have the words to say I won't lose hope When storms won't break You keep your word Your promises will keep me safe I don't want to miss one word you speak Cause everything you say is life to me I don't want to miss one word you speak. To so quiet my heart, I'm listening. Your ways are higher, you know just what I. I trust you Jesus, you see what I cannot see, your ways are higher, you know just what I need, I trust you Jesus, you see what I cannot see. died to me, oh, and I don't want to miss one word you speak. To so quiet my heart, I'm listening. Oh, I don't want to miss one word you speak because everything you say is life to me, oh, and I don't want to miss one words you speak to quiet my heart I'm listening And I don't want to miss one word you speak Cause everything you say is life to me And I don't want to miss one word you speak So quiet my heart, I'm listening. Hey, thanks again for joining us this week. We are Christ Community Church. Come on back next Sunday. We'll be here on Facebook Live and YouTube Live at 1015 in the morning. Or come to the Botanic Gardens. We're also there at 1015 in the morning. Anything else, guys? Did I do a good job? You did a great job. Yes. Come back next week. See you on Sunday. Have a great day.